Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Progressive Britain Podcast Extra Show a short supplement to our main weekly episode looking at a relevant issue of the week. I'm host Connor Pope and I'm joined by Progress Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd. Today we're going to be looking at Tory conference and the war of Boris versus May. First though, it's, um, it's our birthday. It's our birthday. It's not our birthdays. Mine's on the 17th of November. But more than happy for you to send me presents. <laughs> I'll be logging into your digital banking before you know it. Um, uh, no, it's the, it's the birthday of the Progressive Britain podcast. We started it um, in early October last year. And it's now done 52 weekly episodes and 52 extra shows and a few specials along the way. Cheeky, cheeky couple of ones as we've thrown in there. But no, it's been amazing. How's the year been, Connor? I, I think it's been it's been great. I've been looking at the analytics this week. And oh, we've I, been doing the data. Yeah, we've had a couple of big jumps in listens over the... Um, mm. over the you know, what's really surprising, you kind of expect when you have a bigger name on that a lot more people will listen to an episode. And actually, that doesn't... Oh, sometimes it does correlate, but that doesn't always seem to be the case. And it seems that people just bizarre in this the new world of social media i don't know if you've heard about it but people just share the stuff that they like no. and then other people listen to it it's incredible Who, what ones have been the most popular i don't know i can't remember oh, um <laughs> anyway, let's, <laughs> let's move on from yeah. that, that failure of a question um it's not on, you can see the sheet of paper that i've got in front of me and it's not on there is it so how would i I've know discarded the one you gave me that's fine anyway two-week conference let's move straight on to that yeah consider when i've killed that last conversation. Theresa May's speech uh, was obviously the the, the main... Because yeah. it felt like Boris Johnson's speech was going to overshadow it. But actually, I don't think in the end it did. So what, what did you make of the kind of two speeches and, and who came out of it strong? I don't think it did. I've, I've painfully watched both um, at length. I mean... I don't think you can talk about Theresa May's speech without talking about her entrance. <laughs> Firstly, great song choice, although I'm sure Abbott aren't going to be particularly impressed. But my favourite, I mean, I've just spent... I spent all of last night then watching all of the brilliant... This is when Twitter comes into its own, right? Mm. This is when the internet does well and all of the parody videos that immediately came of her dancing. My favourite so far is her dancing to Thomas the Tank Engine, which is now <laughs> which I just played to Connor before we started this and is constantly stuck in my head now yeah, yeah, of the I, little music. Um, everything that I'm saying is over the tune of... Doo, 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 doo. Um, we may have to play royalties for me having done that now. I don't know. <laughs> 
we'll see. Um, but no, I think I think he I think his speech wasn't what people thought it would be. I think you saw quite a few people's reactions as he came out. It didn't feel particularly prime ministerial. It felt it certainly felt like he was kind of parking his tanks in distance, but certainly, you know, so he could see, but not in the way that was like, I'm coming for you immediately. Mm. I think mostly because I think everybody just wants to let her do Brexit, let that deal with that, and then and then they will bump that and then and then they will eat themselves afterwards in terms of a leadership contest of how that works. But actually, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, her speech maybe just cringe and want to roll over constantly. And also when you've set the bar quite as low as she had set for the last one. It's like if someone doesn't hand me a P45 halfway through it, um, it's a success. But she was clearly trying to set out a level of policy direction that wasn't just Brexit. Um, do I think it's right for the country? Absolutely not. But yeah, it just it all felt a bit stagnant. And the thing that I just think of when I think of talking about conferences was that empty hall of everyone just <laughs> like nobody's there watching. Yeah. It's just, it just, it, it feels totally what the Conservative Party are, which is like a, a party of a, a kind of small elite group of people and not particular participation in it. I'll admit that I tend not to watch an enormous amount of the Tory party conference. I, I watch the big speeches um, from the big names, but the rest of the time, and obviously I've never been, I don't really know what happens. Like I understand Labour Party conference. And the delegates, their emotions, you debate them, no, you it's, vote it's on them. It's just chat. I think but, it's just, but they, just, they just have a big room where people do speeches. speeches. Yeah. Which is obviously why no one's there. It also costs £500 to get a pass. Why would you not go on holiday? Which clearly is what everybody else does because nobody was there. Just for a members pass. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But that's what, that's yeah. the thing though with Toy Party Conferences. Like most people, like most, most of the MPs don't even go. Yeah. Like it does just feel a bit of a redundant thing that they kind of feel like they have to do. And actually, to be fair, the one thing I, I do actually really I much prefer about Labour Party Conference now, I'm going to give a shout out to Jeremy Corbyn and what they've done in that sense. But in the sense of the point where you just sat and watched and listened to loads and loads and loads of speeches, it was really boring. Like mm. it did get really dry. And actually, one of the things I think they've done that's really good is is introducing far more time for delegates and people to go up and make contributions and it'd be much more vibrant and active in that sense. I actually think it's a really good thing. The um, So just coming back to what you said about the lots of Tory MPs don't even go to the mm. conference. Um, there was a brilliant story on uh, Conservative Home uh, this week. Oh, you loved this, didn't by, you? By um, Mark Wallace. And essentially the Tory membership system is so bad and dysfunctional that um, a Tory MP who he doesn't name, but says he's a senior minister now, applied for his conference pass because he'd not been to conference for years, applied for his pass because uh, he now has to go because he's a senior minister. And um, they went, you're, not a, you're not you're not a party member. And he'd just not noticed and his local association hadn't noticed. Right there, but um, this is the party that are going to do the technological solution to solve the Nor Northern Irish issue, <laughs> right? Here. Don't even have their own, can't even come up with a system that means that their own ministers are members of the Conservative Party. But, you know, they're going to solve all of our problems with technology. To come back to Theresa May's speech for a minute, the, mm. the entrance, obviously, um, and it feels kind of bizarre to talk about her entrance because she then did an hour and 10 minutes or whatever it was mm. of, you know, a speech about the future of the country. But frankly, given that she's not going to be prime minister for that much longer. Literally, what's the point? <laughs> but I think that's that actually explains the beginning, doesn't it? Yeah. She clearly is someone who now recognises that she has nothing to lose and kind of can live and act as someone 
with nothing to lose. And I wonder if that makes her a better politician because it felt a bit like Jeremy Corbyn felt that freedom during the general election um, last year, that he felt that well, the expectations... Expectation is so low, all you can do is succeed from mm. it, really. And like, I think when the only thing that people think you're going to do is fail, it does give you a huge sense of freedom in that sense. And I think you could tell it. And, like, you know, I I, fi- I, I find the dancing slightly endearing, as mm. many people, I'm sure, who also are not very good at dancing do. It's the only thing that I think she does represent me in. But even I'm slightly better than that. But, like, the opening gags and all the rest of it, like... I think it was right for her to kind of do a bit of that ahead nod to it because mm. I mean, but last year's was mortifying. Like I genuinely still cringe when I think about her speech from last year. Like it was tragic. So I think, you know, I think it was, I think whoever did it literally, I mean, you know, they've, they've, they've milked the dancing thing for, I think all of it's all it's worth now. Yeah. Um, and I hopefully, hopefully that won't have any more outings, but you know, I think when, I think also though when you have given an hour and 15 minute speech and the only thing people want to talk about is the fact you did some awkward dancing at the beginning, pretty bad when you're the Prime Minister. The big question then I think is um, is austerity over? Because she said, you know, ending austerity is the thing what that we're going to do now. What a joke. Like, of course it's not over. Like, the difference is, is they are ideologically wedded to it. There were so many things that they did under the guise of austerity that were just to drive through their ideology under the umbrella of, look, guys, we really need to do this for you. This is in the best interest of the country. And definitely weren't. I don't think it's over at all. Um, I think, I don't think Philip Hammond particularly would let it be over in that mm. sense. I think they will start to try and move away from the from the rhetoric of austerity, but I don't think in any form of actual practical delivery that will change. And you saw Liz, I mean, did you see, there was an interview with Liz Truss where they asked her about councils and how they were struggling and what what they could do for local authorities. And she basically denied that council budgets had been cut. I mean, look, I live in Lambeth. We've had 50% of the council budget slashed over the last eight years. And she was just like, no, we've just allowed them to increase borrowing. And it's the bit where it's like the level of delusional mm. kind of politics in terms of the Conservative Party at the moment is actually quite farcical and slightly scary. Because the other reason that um, it's these promises that she makes about ending austerity and stuff like that, basically there are two elements to her speech. And one of, it, one of the elements was Brexit. And it's like none of that means anything. There were, Steve Baker said on television on Wednesday night, that at least 40 MPs would vote against something that looks like the Chequers deal and possibly as many as 70 or 80. Mm. Like, there is no chance of that getting through. So the Brexit part of your speech, frankly, is irrelevant. But because the Brexit element of your premiership is so unpopular and the fact that you did so badly in the 2017 general election means that we all know that this was your last ever conference speech as Tory leader and therefore Prime Minister. So all of the stuff that's not about Brexit is also completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can say that you're ending austerity, but it's like, you don't have much say in it. It's she definitely the next... three months, like... <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the next person's uh, thing. And, and what we know about that is that if Boris Johnson gets to the final two, then it's almost certainly going to be him. 1,500 people went to, give, to see him do a speech, which... Yeah. I zoned in and out, I'll be oh, honest. Oh, it wasn't It wasn't thrilling. I, I mean, there was a sizable chunk on Peru. Yeah, the Peru stuff. Uh, his argument on Peru was that he went to Peru as foreign secretary and did you know that no foreign secretary has been to Peru in 50 years before that? Therefore, we should leave the EU. And yeah, and it was the EU's fault. It's like, well, I mean, France and Germany are also a lot closer than Peru. 
That doesn't seem. It, yeah. It didn't seem there is there is this kind of like vault of logic um, that uh, is impenetrable to to Boris sometimes, and uh, it, it feels like he was. It almost felt like it was a gag, but he he, he seemed to be playing it seriously, and, and I kind of I, I don't know where all of that goes. And do you think do you think he'll be the next PM? I bloody hope not. If I'm honest, but <laughs> if I'm honest, <laughs> I'm honest. Uh, and po- and popular opinion. I don't even <laughs> like Boris Johnson. Most popular <laughs> opinion <it>. ever. Um, <laughs> the only reason I think he couldn't, he might not be, um, is I I struggle to see how he gets a, enough support from the MPs, mm. and I think because. There is such a mood. Like, it's the one thing the Tories know how to do is cling to power, right? And the one thing they are furious at Boris about at the moment is it is all about him. It's never about the party. It is about whatever works best for Boris, right? Which is why he goes all over the place on all different kinds of issues. While he both backed and wanted to leave the EU at exactly the same time and flip-flopped all over the place on that until he fell down on the wrong side. And I think they're worried with that. Well, it will just become the Boris show. It will not be about them as a party or the institution or anything like that. And that's, for me, the only thing that I kind of hope and pray the Conservative MPs kind of stop that from being something. Um, But I cannot see a situation where, uh, you know, who is the kind of staunch lever in that sense and the anti, you know, the the kind of pro-Brexit, hard Brexit candidate in that sense. If if it's not him, what, Jacob Rees-Mogg? I mean, give me strength if that is the situation we end up in. God, it's bleak. Stop making me talk about, oh, wow. They're just, they're just depressing. It was just pathetic. Like, watching watching that conference, I literally just couldn't help but, like, laugh about in my chair constantly. I was like, it was just, like, pans of empty rooms and, like, awful conference halls and all the rest of it. And I was like, you know, when you manage to make Labour Party conference, which can at times be truly baffling in and of itself and always has been, look like the place you want to be 100%. It's just, like... They're just pathetic. They are just tragic at the moment as a party. So Labour won conference season then, you think? I definitely think so. I think it came out with a far more succinct Brexit policy, um, far more in- some far more interesting, even though I don't necessarily agree with all of them, at least some more interesting policy developments. And there's a vibrancy about Labour in comparison to Tory party conference that is just laughable in comparison. You don't like Boris Johnson. Labour had a better conference than the Tories. You're just firing off unpopular opinions all over the place, <laughs> um, um, my, Can I just say one very, 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 very briefly? Fine. My favourite moment of Tory party conference was when I was sat watching Channel 4 News and they were filming this little lad handing out badges that said Chuck Checkers, which is difficult to say in and of itself. And he was handing out all these badges. And this woman literally just walked up behind him and just like smacks the bag out of his hand and was just like, Chuck that. I was like... <laughs> Jim, brilliant. I've if you've not, not seen it, go I've go on go that. on to the world of the internet and find it. It's brilliant. I'll, I'll try and I'll try and put it in the links underneath the underneath the show today. Um, finally, before we go, um, Alison McGovern obviously hosted the show earlier in the week. She did the pub quiz question. Um, she asked who resigned from the cabinet in late October 1998. I know that you're looking at the answer on the sheet currently, Steph, but do you know the answer? The answer was Ron Davies. Are you trying to tell people I don't know? Who resigned after being mugged at knife point during a moment of madness. Yeah, the famous moment of madness um, quote that he gave after resigning. That's all we've got time for today. Please do remember to send in any comments and questions that you have. Leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks very much for listening. 
You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.